Hey, Cornerstone Church, how's it going? Come on. Good to see you guys. Glad you're here. Hey, on behalf of all of us at Chandler, we want to give a shout out to everybody at the Scottsdale campus. Come on, let's give it up for all the Cornerstone folks out in Scottsdale and everyone out in Santan and the Santan campus. Come on, let's keep it going. Shout out for Santan as well as all of you at Cornerstone Online and those of you right here in Chandler at the 5 o'clock service. Come on, give it up for the folks at 5 o'clock. We're so glad to be part of the family with you all. Uh, my name is Scott, and if it's your first time here at Cornerstone, we're just thrilled that you decided to take some time out of your day and join us. And uh, man, we pray that at the end of this experience, you'd walk out with um, maybe giving more consideration to who God is, who he may be in your life, what he's calling you to in life, and what he has for you as a child of God. It's our privilege to, to serve you in this way. And um, we're in this series called Contender. Now, this is a... Uh, this is a pretty exciting series, in fact, if you, if you ask me, because what we're doing is we're basically, we're having an entirely biblical, yet surprisingly spiritual conversation about winning in life. And God has called us as followers of Christ to win in the major areas of life, to win in our relationship with him, to win in our relationship with other people, to win in our life's work to win in our financial life, to win in the contribution we're making to the world, not in a sense of trying to beat someone else out and get a trophy, not at all. It's not about performance or trying to be accepted by God or more loved by God because he's done everything he can to express his love to us by putting his son Jesus on the cross for us. So that's all finished and that's done. But what we're looking at is how do I win in these key areas of life? How does God get involved and what is he calling me to in these more important areas of life? So what we did on the first week is we really kind of, uh, we had a, a, a little bit of a difficult conversation and we said that if we're going to be contenders in life, we're going to have to take responsibility. So we asked a hard question and we said, am, we asked ourselves this, am I taking responsibility for my life Really? And we realize that if we're going to fulfill God's destiny for us, we can't play the blame game. We've got to own it and we've got to take responsibility so that we can move forward. And then uh, on, in the second week, last week, Tim Beal did a fantastic job challenging us and inspiring us to aspire to greatness in our spiritual life, to really practice some spiritual disciplines, again, not for performance, but to gain the prize of intimacy with Christ and knowing him in a very personal and powerful level, actually. And so Tim challenged us, like, what are we doing in our life that we can be doing more of to grow closer to Christ? Because the contender is going to do that. And today, we're going to be really, really practical as well and basically look at the reality that a contender has a bias toward action. Everybody say action. I mean, we take responsibility. We aspire to greater things in our spiritual life. But at the end of the day, someone who's contending to win in the key areas of life is someone who takes action in life. A number of years ago, actually it was the winter of 2010, I was, I was standing in a spot that I had never imagined I'd be standing. All by myself in this space, I, I was in this big room, the lights went down, and there was like a spotlight right on me. I had a microphone in my hand, and I was so nervous because I was standing in the middle of what was then called the Ford Center in Oklahoma City, and all of the 18,000 seats were pretty much full. And here I am 
just kind of like shaking in my knees, like, oh my gosh, how did I get here? And on my left, about 15 feet away from me, lined up this way, staring at me, was Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, the just uh, recently graduated and recruited Sun Devil, James Harden, and the whole team of the Oklahoma City Thunder were standing right there looking at me. And on my right was the Detroit Pistons. Now, I grew up in Michigan, and so that was intimidating to me. Because I'm thinking, oh, the bad boys, man. Isaiah Thomas, Bill Lambeer, all the guys. Some of you, only three of you know what I'm talking about. But I'm like, the Pistons. And back in 2010, it was Allen Iverson, Rasheed Wallace, and some other guys that were sunsetting their career, basically. And I'm standing there with a microphone. Lights are down. Spotlight's on me. And I'm shaking like Don Knotts. And I'm just like, oh, Lord. And it was obvious that I did not come to play. I mean, these were giant human beings standing on my left and on my right. I didn't come to play. But what I was invited to do was to pray. Now, the Oklahoma City Thunder, as far as I can recall, I think they're the only NBA team that has what you call an invocation at the beginning of the game where they they ask someone to pray. And so I just happened to be the, the fortunate one, the blessed one, whatever you want to call it, that had the opportunity to do so that day. So I would, I would pray, someone would sing the national anthem, and then it was game on. And they asked me just to do one thing. I said, just do this for us. Make it short. Because they realized that these players and all these people didn't come for a prayer meeting. Right? They came for a basketball game. And for the organization of the Thunder, there was a time to pray, but then there was the time to play. And it's the same for you and for me as contenders in life. There is a time to pray, but then there's a time to play. There's a time to pray, and then there's a time to get off our knees and go do something. You know, in fact, prayer is important. Now, let's not... not, think that it's not because scripture says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 a really really short verse it says in the new living translation it says never stop praying never stop one translation says pray without ceasing and you think about well gosh is that even realistic god what are you asking of me never stop praying am i am i supposed to be like on my knees every day all day and just living in this solitude locked up in a closet praying absolutely not I think what God means by that is that we're, we're to pursue a life of unbroken communion with him. Where every day we're expressing thankfulness and gratitude and worship and praise to him. Thanking him for the life that he's given us. And we're praying for strength to do what he's calling us to do. And for, for wisdom and guidance to do what he's asked of us to do in our life. So prayer for a contender is vital. God said never stop praying. But there's a problem with prayer. And I am the first one to raise my hand and say, guilty as charged. Because what we tend to do as Christians is we tend to hide behind our prayers and do nothing. Oh man, sorry to see that. I'll be praying for you. I'll pray for you. And I go hide behind my prayer and I I don't do anything about it. Do you see the the troubling times our country's in. I want to pray for our country and lock the door and hide the wife and kids, man, because that's what I'm doing. And not really do anything about it to heal. 
We hide behind our prayers. And I think this is funny. If you're not a, if you're not a follower of Jesus, please allow me to humor you for just a moment as you kind of see the, some of the stuff that we do. But we as Christians, we like to be what I call to be led by God. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, oh man, well, hey, could you, could you join us and help us do this? Well, man, let me pray about it. Let me, let me see if I'm led by God. Well, the, the good thing is that God does lead us. In fact, Romans 8 verse 14 says that those who are the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Should we expect God to lead us? Absolutely. Should we call out to God to lead us? You betcha. But in our praying, we hide behind this, waiting to be led by God. Oh man, that person's really hurting. They're sick. They really need help. God, would you just let them know you love them and, 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 and provide for their needs, God? In Jesus' name, amen. Send someone over there to just love on them, Lord. Amen. Oh, man, they look really bad now, Lord. God, just break through. Break through. Send, some, just send a helicopter down and rescue them or something. Because, oh, man, their kids are crazy, Lord. And we hide behind our prayers. And we do nothing, but there's a time to get off our knees and to do something. We don't stop praying. We keep praying. But we get up. And we live out what we're praying for. Here, I'm going to throw this thought to you, and then we're going to get into more scripture. Don't wait to feel led where God has already said. There is so much in God's word where he says, go do it. And, and for maybe you and I, we're, we're, there's so many unmet, unmet needs in the world that God's called the church to, to solve and to be a part of, and yet they're going unmet because we're like, oh God, we pray for our world's falling apart in hell in a handbasket. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Oh yes it is, that's all. And we don't do anything because we're waiting to be led. It's kind of like we're living out this, this um, spiritual game of red light, green light. Anybody ever play, played red light, green light? Yeah? I mean, as kids, we love this game. So for the two of you that maybe have, have, have been um, neglected and never played red light, green light, let me help you out right here, okay? So we would do it in our school gymnasium or in our backyard, and there'd be a, a starting point, and then there was the, the, the end point or the point you'd go and turn around, and somebody with all the power would stand there and say, green light, and all of us, we'd run as fast as we could until they said red light, right? And we'd stop and freeze. And then they'd say, green light, and we'd run and come back, red light, and then they try to trick you because if you went on red light, you had to go all the way back to the beginning, right? So it's green light, red light, red light. Oh, man. And you have to start all over again. It's so fun, especially if you're calling the shots. I mean, it was, it was power, baby. And so we take that, I think, and we bring it into our spiritual life, and we think God's calling the shots, red light, green light, as if he's some power-driven, deranged child messing with our psyche, Oh, God, okay, just tell me, lead me, lead me, lead me. Um, oh, man, the, my, my neighbor's going through a divorce. God, I've been through a divorce, and I've experienced your healing in my life, and I've experienced recovering from the fallout of that difficult, difficult situation. And God, my neighbor's going through it right now, so God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to, to I'm going to pray for him. And God's saying, green light, go across the street. We're like, come on, man. Green light, okay, red light. Did you say red light, God? Green light, do I go? Red, red. And we're living like this schizophrenic life. What does God want me to do with my life? 
We're waiting to be led when he's already said, get your butt across the street and help him out. You say, where's that verse? <laughs> Flipping through your Bible. Where's that? Get your butt across. It's, it's Tim Beale, chapter 4, <laughs> verse 7, right? No, it's, it's kind of implied, or maybe you could say it's even explicit when Jesus says, go love your neighbor as yourself. Would I want someone to help me? Yeah, okay, I'd better help them. When God exposes us to a need, we, we actually said this a few months ago in our sidekick series. When God exposes us to a need, he's often recruiting us to be part of the solution. So if God has put it on your heart to pray for something, be confident he's probably, I say probably, asking you to act on it too. Do you think God would expose needs to us around us that we're capable of helping with and then just say, oh man, it's crazy over there, your, your neighbor or that office coworker or in school, hey, child of God, would you go pray? Go, go in your closet, just pray for him and then watch me do something incredible. No, he's pray for him because you're going to need to pray because I'm going to use you to be part of the answer. You see, there's a time to pray and there's a time to get off our knees and do something. Don't wait to feel led when God's already said. Turn to the book of James chapter 1 in the New Testament. James chapter 1, Santan Scottsdale, James 1, 5 o'clock. Flip over there in New Testament and here's what it says. But don't, in verse 22, I'm sorry. But don't just listen to God's word. You must, what? You must, oh man, that's getting, stepping on toes. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. You know the immediate context is obedience. And there's so much in God's word where he's saying, green light, green light. God, do you want me to, 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 to be a compassionate person to the hurting around me. Green light. God, talk to me. Talk to me. Green light. I need to hear your voice, Lord. I need to hear it audibly. Audibly. Or at least through Lynn. Just tell me audibly. Do you want me? And God's saying, I've already said it. Green light. Go. God, do you want me to, to be a generous person? And to not just consume everything you give me upon my, myself. And do you want me to help other people out and be someone who's known to be generous and giving? Lord, just tell me. And God's standing the whole time going, green light, green light, green light. Stop praying about it and go, green light, green light. So no more red light, green light. I would say this, most of the time when we pray, now please hear me, not all the time. Because there are specific situations that look good, but God may say to you, yeah, but not you. I haven't called you to, to be involved with that, okay? But most of the time, the light's green. And so when we're praying, it's not red light, green light. It's go left or go right. God, guide me as I move forward. And how many keep moving forward on this thing? Whatever we see in his word, do it. We don't need to feel led when God has already said. God, Lord, oh, I got a big test coming, Lord. Lord, I got this exam. Oh my gosh, I hate this class. The professor is psycho. They don't, even, they don't even give us notes. They don't even use what we've talked about. There's no online resources. The guy's a mess in life. Oh, Lord, help me with this exam. 
Amen. God's saying, why don't you study? Why don't you study? Why don't you go to class? God, help me in this class, will you? God, oh Lord, you see all the kids running around here at the Scottsdale campus, and you see all the kids running around in Santana and out here in Chandler, man. They're all over the place getting a snotty nose on the wall and all that kind of stuff. God, I pray that you just uh, show them who you are. Tell them you love them, okay? And then uh, um, help the people that help them because I'm sure they're dying. <laughs> Give them strength, Lord. Help them. And if you ever need me, well, you know, let me know because I'm surrendered to you, God. Just give me the green. But I know it's red, but give me the green whenever, Lord. Amen. Look at those kids. God's saying, oh, you see the need? Maybe I'm asking you to be part of the solution. Green light. No, God, come on, seriously. I haven't fasted and prayed about this thing yet. Green, those kids, those teenagers? Those crazy junior high kids or high schoolers, yeah, I know they're in a critical season of life when every parent would love another adult to come alongside their kid and say what they're saying because their kid won't listen to them, right, or us as parents. Green light. Green light. God, do you want me to sin? Red light. God, do you want me to be a giver? Green light. God, do you want me to be a cat lover? Red lights. <laughs> Guaranteed. Right? God, do you want me to help out at, at, at church or at, at work? Do you want me to be the green lights? God, do you want me to be a Seahawks fan? Yellow light. Just caution. <laughs> Careful what you're getting yourself into here. Right? The light is mostly green. So now just go. Turn into uh, the uh, New Testament, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I want to show you a picture of the church in action. Now the church, if, if you're familiar with scripture, is people. Not the building, right? It's people. So whenever we look at the Bible, and we, we see a people of action. You might wonder like, wow, look at all that God did back in the day after Christ had risen from the dead. Man, he busted out into the world. They were people of prayer, and they were people of action. They got off their knees, they did something. Look at Romans 12. Verse uh, 6 through 8 says this. In his grace, God has given us different gifts. That means you are gifted by God. The person next to you is gifted by God. We're all gifted by God. He says, in his, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for just sitting around and praying about stuff. I was trying to catch you and see if you were paying attention. No, 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 that's not what he says. He says, giving us different gifts for doing certain things what? Well. He says, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, well, keep quiet then, don't say anything. No, he says, speak out with all the, with much, as, as much faith as God has given you. He says, if your gift is serving others, do it with a scowl on your face. No, he doesn't. If God has given you the gift of serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, just wing it. <laughs> oh, no. he says, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, Tear them down. Come on. That's not what God says. Encourage them well. Be encouraging. If it's giving, go cheap. No. Give generously. If God's given you the gift of giving you leadership ability, don't put in more than 20 hours a week. Don't overdo yourself. 
put some boundaries around. No, God's saying take your leadership uh, responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. That's a group of people taking action, not waiting for the green light because they know the green light's already on. Now, some of us are maybe anything like me, you're thinking, hey, did you hear what he just said? Kindness is a God-given gift. So that implies that not everybody has the gift. So did you hear that, honey? It's not for everybody to be kind. Kindness is, or encouragement, encouraging others, that's a God-given gift. And you know, I didn't get that gift, right? Being generous is a God-given, oh, thank God he didn't give that to me because that new iPad that's like 40 inches wide is awesome. I want it. No, what do you, every single one of those, which is not an exhaustive list, by the way, there's other lists of gifts that God has given us in Scripture, but all of, we're, call, we're each called to live out all of those. It's just that God has uniquely gifted each of us stronger in some of those than in others. Some of you are so kind, it makes me sick. You just ooze with kindness. I mean, you're like, you're just so great to be around. Some of you are so encouraging. It is, it is your, this how you operate. You get out of bed. If you slept two hours the night before and it's a tough day, you just walk in the room and everybody's encouraged. That's a God-given gift because the rest of us have to work at it. It's a gift. Have you ever noticed that maybe in, in your life what you touch tends to grow and prosper? Maybe you, you, you generate uh, income, and it's, just, it's, it's, it's a God-given gift. God gave that to some folks so that he could use that gift to funnel resources to making a difference in people's lives. Some of you are incredible teachers in the public school system or private school, or you're teaching kids at church, or you're, you're te- whatever it is, you're just gifted at it. And then other people look at you and say, Oh my God, I can't, that's, it's because it's just a God-given thing. We can all try, but this is a picture of a group of people in action, contenders, who pray and then get off our knees and do something. Turn your Bible to the right into Colossians, the book of Colossians. Still in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 3. Check this out. Here's what it says. Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. So whatever God has gifted you to do, do it with excellence. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Even that job that you're in right now that you can't stand. God's saying, hey, I got you there. And I want you to work in a way that people say, what's up in your life? Give glory to God through how hard we work. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Verse 24, since, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. You see that? That tells me that sweat is spiritual. That we work hard for the glory of God. That ultimately our audience is him. Not for performance but to leave it all on the field and say, God, my work is an act of worship unto you because you gave me the energy and the strength and the gifting to live this thing. So I'm going to do it as unto you. And I'm going to, I'm going to pursue excellence in that. I'm going to be obsessed with doing my best. Now, 
let me just pause real quick so that we don't go off the cliff on this, though, because I've gone off the cliff on this type of conversation. I'm saying I'm encouraging you and I to pursue excellence for the glory of God, but not perfection. To work hard as unto the Lord, but don't become a workaholic. I've tried both. Trying to be perfect drives you crazy because you never are perfect. And being a workaholic drives everyone around you crazy and away from you. And I'm of the opinion that those of us who strive for perfection and are workaholics are driven by fear and insecurity. Fear because we think that we have to work 90 hours a week to provide and that God's not our ultimate source of provision. And perfection because I have to please people and perform so well to get them to accept me. That's my own experience. That may not be yours. But I'm encouraging you, work hard, pursue excellence, not perfection. And don't be a workaholic. Your family needs you at home. Work your tail off, 9 to 5, 8 to 5, 7 to whatever it is, and then go home and fully engage. See, contenders, we pray. And then we get off our knees and we do something. Several years ago, this is like a gazillion years ago, I was at a conference in uh, Dallas, Texas. And I was second or third day into this thing, and uh, I was at this hotel, and I, I step into an elevator, and just before the door closes, the guy who spoke the night before at the conference steps into the elevator. And this guy was like one of my heroes. Like, I mean, nowadays, I, I just know that we're all human, we're all normal, we're all imperfect, right? Fallible people. But back then, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is like super awesome, you know? And he spoke the night before, just totally jacked up my world. And I had listened to him for years, and God used this man to speak into my life to really challenge me and inspire me in great, great ways. He walks in. His name is Tommy Barnett. And Tommy Barnett, some of you Phoenicians might be familiar with because his church was once called Phoenix First Assembly up in Cave Creek. And I think it's now called Dream City Church. His son Luke is leading the church. I know nothing about the church. I know nothing about um, Pastor Tommy Barnett and his life. I can only assume it's fantastic because he was just such a, uh, a man of God in my life years ago. He's standing in the elevator, and I'm kind of like starstruck. I'm like, what do I say to this guy? I mean, it's Tommy Barnett. I mean, are you kidding me? And I probably said something really stupid. I'm like, hey, whatever. I don't know. I don't even remember. But he was very kind, very nice, and just like full of energy. And he said something, though, that has stuck with me for years. One statement that Tommy Barnett said that stuck with me, he said this one time, just full of passion. And he said, I mean, the guy, he's so motivating, he could inspire a group of nuns to beat the Buffalo Bills. I'm telling you right now, he could do it. No problem. He said this, he said, 90% of ministry is showing up. 90% of ministry is showing up. And that stuck with me. Because I'll just be totally honest with you here. I've never been in the room where I was the smartest guy. I've never been in the room where I was the more gifted one. It seems like everything I do, I have to work really super hard at it. With the exception of binging on Netflix. That comes really easy to me. But it was his statement that said 90% of ministry is just showing up. Just show up. And you know why I think that was so powerful and why he knew that was the case? Probably because he lived it, but because 
showing up brings us out of hiding and gets us in the game. Just show up. 90% of winning in life, maybe it's just as simple as showing up. Just show up. The neighbor across the street is going through a tough time. Well, Scott, I don't know what to say, and I don't have Bible verses memorized, and I don't, and I don't, and Lord, please help him, please, please, please. Just get out from around our prayers and just show up and see what God does. You might be walking home 20 minutes later going, yeah, that was awesome. I can't speak to kids or serve kids or what, what, no, God, help those kids, Lord. No, just show up, see what God does. I've never given anyone anything. I love God, but I, I, I'm tight, it's tight, man. Just show up, give a little, see what God does. Show up, put on those running shoes and get out there. Whatever it is for you, that God's saying, green light, I've gifted you. Green light. Let me read to you, I call it the contender's prayer. Turn over to Psalm chapter 90. Psalm chapter 90. And here's what it is. In verse 17, it says this. May the favor, and this is the, the New International Version, it says, may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us, Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The New Living Translation says it this way. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. That's a prayer I want to encourage you to add to your prayer time. God, okay, I'm going to come out of hiding and I'm going to show up. God, would you make my efforts successful? God, would you establish the work of my hands? Make that your prayer. As you're praying for whatever, God's probably giving you the green light to go and get involved and make an impact, be a contender, and show up. See what he does. I know this is super, super simple, but I, I can't help but think that maybe, you know, sitting here at the 5 o'clock service or someone online, I just talked to a gentleman in our previous service that lives in Wisconsin, and he says, I listen to Cornerstone online all the time. And uh, he said some great things about, about your church. Maybe it's someone in Wisconsin. Maybe it's someone in Santana or Scottsdale. But I can't help but think that there's, there's, there's a Scott sitting here right now, and there's a Tommy Barnett. I'm not Tommy Barnett, believe me. I wouldn't compare him. He's a great man of God. But there's a Tommy Barnett saying, just show up. Come on. Take responsibility. Aspire towards more greatness in your spiritual walk. Have a bias toward action. Don't wait to be led where God's already said. Most of the time, the light is green. Come out from behind our prayers and do what God's called us to do with excellence and just show up. 90% of winning, I know we can debate that, but you get the idea. 90% of winning in the critical areas of our life, our relationships, our finances, our life's work, where we work, our marriage, our parenting is just showing up to the table, showing up to the moment and engaging and seeing what God will do. Let's pray. Father God, um, this is uh, for, for me personally just really encouraging 
And I think for many of us, God, that, that you're so practical. Lord, as we, as we follow you in our life, living as children of God, led by the Spirit of God, that you've already said in your word, in the Bible, love our neighbor as ourselves, worship you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all our mind, all our strength, God, to be compassionate, to be generous, to be clothed in kindness and humility and gentleness. God, all this green light, green light is what you've given us. So Lord, I pray that as we pray, we would act on our prayers and that we would show up and you would do great things in our life. God, help us to win in these areas of our life to give you the glory in Jesus' name. And if you agree on that, you can say amen.